0: DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, the former Cougar coach. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, there's a few Jazz fans who are stressed by four consecutive losses. They've given up one hundred and twenty points with stunning regularity, and they're two and eight when they do that this year, so that's a bad idea. Yeah. You got any advice? What happens? How does the defense, which was not great, but it was certainly above average, how does the defense go from above average to poor so quickly? Uh,
1: you know, part of it is being on the road. Um, I think people underestimate when you take, take the Rockets game, for instance. Uh, that's four games ago. And uh, they, they're at home, and Gordon goes for 50. And Westbrook and Harden don't play. And people look at that and go, how could that possibly happen? You know, I think one of the things they forget is that everybody in this league has guys that can play. Some of them are difference makers that we know, we read about. Some of them are developing and haven't had an opportunity to play. And, and then some are role players. And, you know, really a guy like Gordon's kind of been the guy, the third cog in that wheel. And he gets shots when Harden and Westbrook decide they don't want to shoot. But we forget sometimes that they're really, really good players in this league at all levels, and just because we don't know who they are or they haven't been given an opportunity, when given an opportunity, they step up. Then they, they go on the road and, and they you know they play the Spurs, and DeRozan goes for 38. Jokic goes for 28 for the Nuggets, and Lillard goes for 50. So in two of those games, they gave up 50 points to, and obviously, a couple of superstars. But uh, I, I think defensively, on the road, it's more difficult. It, it would make sense. I, I would... I'm still a little bit. um, It's hard for me to believe that the Rockets, without Westbrook and Harden, go in there and and get beat. But um, I I think certainly on the road, uh, I understand it, and uh, they're going to have to. You know, it's a wake-up call. But it's a long season too, and I think we need to understand that uh, it's a grind. And you know, when you when you take a look at what's happening. You know, for instance, when Donovan Mitchell, he, he can't have an off game. You know, he can't go one for 12 and 0 for 6. I mean, I just, they don't have the depth and the scoring. And Ingles has been really quiet the last four games. And I don't know if that's because of Conley being back or what the circumstances are, um, but he's just not playing like he's been playing. I mean, he's usually a guy that's got 12 or 14 with six or seven assists. And he's been in a bit of a struggle. So, and he's been a... Really important part of that team, so just little, uh just some inconsistencies, and it only takes one or two guys to have a have a not so good game, and uh, the margin for error in the NBA is really really slim, man, and you just can't afford to take a night off, especially when you're on the road.
2: So the schedule this week, you know, they got two ball games, and they're both at home. Wednesday against Denver, and then friday against portland so you have this rare opportunity to have some practice time in your own building and so i'm wondering what you think that they should be doing to take advantage of this as far as film work extra practice whatever it might be maybe meetings uh one-on-one with coach schneider and whatever what would you suggest they do and i don't want to say to right the ship but just to get a little bit better
1: yeah, I think what you do is you. I mean, you have, obviously those guys have so much technology <clears throat> and so much film, and you, you. I think the first thing you do is you look at the breakdowns defensively, and is there a pattern? And is it does it involve one or two people maybe in ball screen actions, or is it because they're not, you know, they're not off the ball, or they're you know, there's not a lot of help. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the The mistakes that they're making defensively, you watch clips of those, and you may watch clips of those individually. And we've talked about this before. I have always felt as a head coach, especially when somebody was struggling, uh, it's not always the best thing to get in that team situation and you know kind of rip them and you know, and, you know humiliate them. Or, and then that's not happening at that, that level anyway. But I, I I think with the the defensive part of it, I think you, you're watching clips and you're looking at where the breakdowns are, and is are there some patterns here? let's fix them let's talk about them let's go on the floor they're not going to go real hard but at the end of the day they can fix some of those things by film by obviously one of the things you mentioned through conversations and, and then my getting on the floor I think offensively it's it's one of those things that that is such a delicate thing shooting and and this is a, a team that has six or seven guys that can can score 20 on any given night but uh I think just making sure that where their shots are being taken. Are we taking a lot of – maybe we're taking more contested shots. I don't know what the analytics are. I, I, I don't have access to that. But, uh, you know, hey, in the past maybe 22% of the shots were taken are contested. And now look at this, 30 or 40 35% are contested. I don't, I don't know if that's an analytic that's an issue or, or, or uh, you know, how, what are they doing at the end of the shot clock? Where are the breakdowns there? Are we not in the ball screen action we want to be in? But they're going to identify I mean, there's going to be a pattern. When you lose four games in a row, there are those things happening. And then, then you got to take a look at the intangibles. And you look at the efforts. You look at the circumstances and the environment of the game. It was on the road. Guys are sick. I mean, you kind of assess and look at all of those things. And then you just realize that, hey, listen, we we got two We're playing a really good Nuggets team here. And uh, it, it only you know a week ago when we were talking, they had one four in a row and they were nine and one and they were in second place. Today they're, they've lost four, they're five and five, and they're in fourth place, and these two games right here, they, get, they, they stay in, I mean, they can't afford to lose games at home right now. Otherwise they're going to be looking at the six or seven spot in a week when they're going to go on the road. and, and they've got a schedule right now where eight out of the ten or eight out of the next 10 are on the road. So you would think this would be a time where they could get their confidence back, get their mojo back, and take a look at the small and simple things that uh, win and lose games, especially on the road, especially on the road. I and mean, defense is the one thing that needs to travel on the road, and this is a team that's been really good. Man, I'm telling you, it's just it's as little as one or two possessions that can determine a game. And sometimes guys just step up and make big shots when they're contested, and you just got to go good on them I mean we we did everything we could and I mean there's no game that you can't look at and go hey we've done this this and this but over the course of 82 games there are patterns and things and they've kind of gotten into a funk here that they need to get out of and confident that coaching staff is great as they are they'll they'll find those things and get their confidence back and uh, I, I fully expect them to win both these home games this week.
0: When Kyrie Irving went to the Celtics, we were discussing, you know, oh, you'd add a t- that talent to a team that's already pretty good. And I thought, and I said, well, there's too many shooters and not enough shots. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, Steve, but one of our listeners turned that into uh, what could best be described as a thing. <laughs> Shots, not enough
3: shots
0: to go around for all the shooters. Shooters, shooters. too many shooters, too many shots, not enough shots to go around for all the shooters. Not enough shots to go around for all the shooters. I'll show you. I'll show you my Grammy when you come to town next time.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, That's but I wonder. But I wonder if the Jazz aren't having a similar issue here because you bring up the point about Joe Ingles has been really quiet these last few games. He's not taking shots. Well, when they move Conley into the lineup, first into the rotation, but then actually into the starting lineup, and Royce moves out, there aren't enough shots for everybody, and Joe just naturally will. Take that role of, hey, Royce was barely shooting the ball at all. I'm going to be the guy who barely shoots the ball. Because there are enough shots for five guys to shoot the ball a lot. But when everybody's thinking about, am I doing the right thing? Am I taking too many shots? Do I need to move the ball? It wrecks the way the ball moves, and it wrecks the way the offense flows. And if you're not scoring, it's harder to defend. And so how much of this is about integrating somebody back in the lineup and everybody trying to figure out what their role is?
1: Uh, well, that's real. That's a real thing. And just because it's the NBA doesn't mean that it can't be a problem. I mean, we, you, know, you look at high school and college, and you know, typically teams don't have three or four or five guys that can score. And, uh, and so the roles are pretty defined early on in the season. When you have injuries and when you have a plethora of guys that can actually make baskets, you do have to figure out who fits best together and where the chemistry is and what guys, how guys feed off each other. And when they were nine and one, for the most part, I don't think Connolly was playing, and there there was a pattern and a consistency of where everything was going and I, It's not to say you're not going to play Conley and and but they're going to have to figure that out and and it may come to the point where if they they stay in a funk and you know the coaching staff can do a lot of different things, but you know maybe Conley comes off the bench, but whatever whatever decision they make, it is real, and i I think that most teams I remember in college um, I mean I've wanted to play a lot of guys you know you, you always being in the ear, you do that, but at the end of the day this time of the year in college you're playing seven guys and and that's the, and you've got a rotation it's tight, and occasionally if somebody gets in foul trouble or somebody gets hurt, somebody steps in. But there's two things I, I know about college basketball is I wanted to play with seven guys. And I wanted to play small as often as I could because I wanted to put guys that can handle the ball, take care of it, and put as many shooters on the floor. And, uh, but I, I think in this situation, um, that's, that's the challenge that they have right now. And, and they're going to have to figure that out. Those are things You talk about things they're going to talk about as a coaching staff behind closed doors. They're, they're going to have to make some of those decisions And, uh, you know, I'm sure it will play out and be okay, but they do. And Clarkson, you know, you you, you throw Clarkson in there and you you look at what he's doing, and he's averaging 20 a night pretty much. You know, and he's had a couple of huge nights. So now, you know, you've got him off the bench. He fits. He knows what his role is. He's the guy. And he's comfortable and he's confident. Uh, But right now with putting Conley back in there, when they've had a lot of success without him there, um, just, you're just going to have to keep a close eye on that. And, and I think you, have, you can't not talk about those things. I think, you know, well, we don't want to offend anybody. But I think you have an open discussion about that. At this point in time, there's a lot at stake here. And they're going to have to have conversations individually with guys and ask them what they think, get their input because it's important because you never know. And I think these guys will be honest with the coaching staff and go hey I'm just not comfortable with this situation or this is how I feel And ultimately you know Quinn's going to have to make those decisions as a staff but I think I don't think you can talk to guys enough about hey what's not working here what's not right let's talk about it let's be really transparent here we're not worrying about people's feelings here we're all trying to win games and I think you have to have those conversations even though they're pros making 20 million a year it's not like you don't and that's part of having a great culture. And I, and, I, you know, they do have a great culture there. But part of having a great culture is understanding what the guys need and what helps them to be the best they can be. And so they're going to have to have those rather difficult conversations.
2: Cougars got a huge win against St. Mary's. And we saw the game as exciting as all get out. I'm wondering from your perspective, what do you think makes Mark Pope an effective coach?
1: You know, one of the things is I think that he has a connection with the guys. He's young, he's energetic, he's positive. And it's not to say that Coach wasn't or I wasn't or other people. You know, everybody has a different personality. But I I, I think the the, the one thing is that he – anytime you can inherit a team and that's not really kind of been maybe playing to their potential uh, and you – you paint a new picture and you, you have a different mantra and you have an energy that comes with that. Guys start believing in that. And, you know, obviously some really critical things had to happen. The Childs came back, and that was a, an important part. I'm sure Mark played a big role in that. And, uh, and then getting Jake Toulson, which was huge, to get a, a graduate transfer and get Barcello to come in. So we're talking about a team that's way different than last year's team. I mean, Barcello and Toulson really make that team different. And Nixon and Celius, they've accepted a role. They're not thinking they should be starting, or even though they may have during certain games. So everybody kind of knows their role. They're playing that seven or eight guys, Harding a guy that kind of people go to sleep on, but a really, really good player. This is a very talented team, and Mark has been able to identify their roles and who they are and what they should be doing. I mean, I think offensively, they've done some unique things that uh, is as. Distinguished Mark as a, as a as a good X's and O's guy, and uh, their their ball screen action, their spacing, the constant movement—that's something that's a little bit different, new that the guys have, have kind of bought into. And I I think that uh, he's just a really positive guy, and and, and focuses. He, he's an analytics guy, and he can talk their language. He communicates well with them, and uh, it, it's it's been a really good situation. And uh, there's a lot of basketball left, but it is a fun team to watch. And I think the, the thing that I most enjoy about this team is, is, the, is the leadership of this team. I, I, I think Jake Toulson is really special. And uh, not, not necessarily because he's making threes and things, but he for a guy to come in, and, and the fact that he played for Mark for the last couple of years helps. I mean, if he just transferred in and nobody knew him and he would already been at BYU – but he has embraced the role of being a leader on that team. And then Yoli is, too. Yoli's maturity, I just listen. I'm not there watching it, and I'm not in practice. But just the maturity of the things he has to say and shares, uh, you've got the intangibles there that that kind of leadership, Mark's brought the breast out of them. And, uh, and that's why they're, they're being really successful, and, and they've got a chance to get back to the tournament, and they've got some fun games ahead.
0: So they have given up uh, 79 points or more in three straight games and five of the last eight, and I know I sound a little bit like, get off my lawn, guy, when I start bringing that up, but that was where I thought the NCAA tournament slipped away each of the last, what, three, four years, whatever it's been, was a high-scoring game on the road, and they couldn't hit the big shot. Now at home, T.J. Hawes hits the big shot, and they win 81-79. Any concern that they're starting to give up more points than they were giving up, uh, say a month ago?
1: Well, I think there's always a concern, and you know I don't have those stats in front of me in terms of possessions. And when you shoot the ball quick, you're going to be more possessions. You're going to give more points up. Uh, But I, but I think you're right. I I mean, anytime you let people come into your building and shoot 53% from the floor and 50% from three points, I mean, I mean, give the St. Mary's team great credit. They're solid and They've been really good for in this league for a long time, but that would be concerning that you gave up 53% field goal shooting and 50% three-point shooting in your building and, and had to you know, win it at basically in the last 10 seconds. So yeah, that is a concern because when you go on the road I, there's two things that have to happen when you go to the tournament. Well, number one, guard play is huge and they have that. Number two, you're right, is they've got to be able to defend and guard. and uh, And I think that you know, rebounding, those kinds of things become really important in the tournament, extra possessions. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's always a concern because that, those aren't numbers you should be giving up at home. And and you're right. You you've documented that they've been given up in the high 70s. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where you, you got to keep getting better. And, and, you know, you look at they're going to be favored in – every game they play except Gonzaga. And, and if they shoot the ball well, I mean, Gonzaga's had a few close games. I mean, against Pepperdine, they got laid off the hook, a team that can score it. Against USF, they were lucky to win that game on the road. So and, and we're talking about the number one or number two team in the country, depending on polls and things. But I've watched Gonzaga play, and and they're really good. But they aren't last year's team or the year before. I mean I mean, this is a team that and on the road, they've had a, a, a more competitive game. So BYU is capable of beating Gonzaga this year just because I think of the mental makeup of that team. But you're right. They can't give up 85 or 90 points to Gonzaga because they've got size and, and, uh, and they have real good quickness at the guard play. But they're pretty much favored. You know, I mean, I, the game I think that BYU has to be really concerned about is at Pepperdine. They've never played well there and lost games, given up 70 and 80 points. Uh, and certainly the Gonzaga game. I don't think they would have. I mean, they, they got got kind of a break in the schedule where they play Santa Clara at home. I've watched them play two or three times. They're uh, well-coached. they got good size. Playing them at home, I don't think they can score enough. They don't, they don't score enough to beat BYU. But at home, that's, a, that's one that they should be happy about not having to go on the road. But LMU and USD, they just have to take care of business. But the Gonzaga game, I'm going to actually be in town that week. And... I'm kind of excited to see the Santa Clara and the Zags play. So, uh, but you're right; it is something they have to be concerned about, especially when you look at the game they just had. And more than likely, BYU and Saint Mary's are going to play one more time in that tournament to see who plays Gonzaga.
0: Steve, we appreciate a few minutes as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone when we come back everything you missed in today's show stay with us
3: and now attention. top of the wire One. on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network
0: Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champs they come from 10 down in the fourth quarter Patrick Mahomes is the MVP second Super Bowl title ever for the Chiefs first in 50 years Jazz are off today and tomorrow they're back in action Wednesday at home against the Denver Nuggets. Denver will be coming off a game Tuesday night at home against Portland. Light NBA schedule with the Super Bowl but the Nuggets did play in Detroit and they lost in overtime 128-123 despite 39 points from the Joker and the Rockets got 40 from James Harden and beat the Pelicans 117-109. Top of the Wire, brought to you by Minky Couture. What are you giving your valentine? Make it a special, personal gift from Minky Couture. Learn more at MinkyCouture.com.
3: Big big show, big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys Ready.
0: Keith Smith, Yahoo Sports NBA. People around here are pretty excited that Rudy and Donovan both got their all-star nod. What do you think about them both making the team? Yeah, very well-deserved. They were two of my picks. I thought that they have earned that. I'm
2: really happy for Rudy O'Bear especially. I think he's been knocking on that door for a few seasons now. And he's gotten the different postseason honors and the like. But for him to get into the all-star game is great. And then Donovan Mitchell, I said it last year, the first time he makes it, it's going to be probably a long time before he doesn't make it again after that. So very well-earned for the two of us. Turn this up.
3: Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7. On 97.5, 1280, the zone and the zone sports network. Seven guys
2: drop back into his deep zone here for the 49ers. Four man rush, but those four are enough.
3: Here they come. Mahomes stepping up. He's throwing long downfield for Tyreek Hill. Got it at the 20 yard line. And then spun down there, the first
2: giant chunk of the game on third down and 15. And Mahomes guns it for 44 yards down to the San Francisco 21-yard line. I'm going to go get the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen. (laughs) I'll prime
0: the biggest one. And it might be a double. (laughs) Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champs, and everything is funny. Steve Young was on the ESPN set saying, "That's my JV coach right there." The offensive line and taught a lot about playing quarterback. Not everything he knew about playing quarterback. And what a fourth quarter comeback! Just go over the top. Three touchdowns on three straight possessions to come from ten down and win again. Third time they've done it in the postseason.
2: Mm, yeah, not as impressive as being down eighty-seven to zero with two minutes gone in the game. <laughs>
0: 24 to nothing you're referring to that was the
2: stunner and
0: then reel off 41 unanswered
2: yeah that i thought they were left for dead i thought oh here we go again andy Reid, blah 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 but they got that thing done that was the incredible and this one was more uh, understandable it was still impressive obviously and that play to hill i think was the game changer in terms of everything uh, with the momentum because if I remember correctly that was third down third and 15 third if and I 15. recall because they had had a pass that they thought they'd completed but you clearly he didn't catch it and all that stuff so that set up everything and allowed them to get in that position to take care of it and once they got that score like okay there's plenty of time here everything is setting up for them to have this opportunity I didn't know they were going to do it. it wasn't like it was a slam dunk but everything was allowed with the time allowed them to have enough time get a stop get the ball back and it shouldn't be a problem Uh, and that's exactly what happened and and good for them I mean that's if they want uh, to have Andy Reid feel his moment of glory after all this trial that he's been in as a head coach for 21 years I'm all for it.
0: Nobody else has waited 21 years to win a championship. The latest in, uh, in a career for anyone that had that stat up there. Also, for everybody's who's thinking, man, the Chiefs have a young quarterback and they're all loaded and ready to go. It's a salary cap league and they got 20 free agents. So, got to reload on the fly. That's been the uh, incredible thing the Patriots Yeah, have but been he's able been a do.
2: master at doing that. Yeah. So, you got to expect them to be competitive. I mean, he came in with lesser talent and got them competitive i don't know that they get back to the super bowl and they win it all and all that stuff i can't predict that but they should be competitive and same thing with the niners they should be competitive i think that we what we see here in order to win a title you know there was that uh who was that dude uh the little crumb guy kraus with the bulls organizations win championships and it was controversial at the time i think organizations put you in the position to win and then the players win it they've got to go out and actually win it so the management needs to do its job for sure you cannot deny the importance that they have and they've got to be good and then when they've done what they do, it's up to the players to take the ball from that point on
0: and go get it done. See, I don't think the there was a problem with what uh, Kraus said in the abstract. If you just take it out, organizations win championships. What the hell does the abstract mean? If you just take it out, don't put the it on The Abstract. A's, don't put it on oh, you you're such the wordsmith. The
2: abstract? abstract. <laughs> yes. I've been doing this show with you almost eighteen years and
0: you've never said that. The abstract. You gotta continue to improve, PK. What are we painters here? So, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I have a gift. I can read lips and I can paint. But you're not finding out about my first kiss.
2: I can so, paint to black is what I can do. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Bring the cheese. This is heat. It's high heat. All right. So in the abstract, sorry, guys, for all well, you, when you people put it specifically who like to eat meat. <laughs>
0: When you put it specifically on the Bulls, it looked like he was taking a shot at Jordan. Right. But if you just go out in general terms, if you want to go to another star, LeBron didn't think the organization in Cleveland was good enough to win a championship, that's why he went to Miami. So, Mm, I don't know about that. Oh, you don't think? No. Because what changed? once he had the championships and the pressure was off and he could go back and have all the power on a short contract and call all the shots that's what changed he's had all the power since he was 15 years old (laughs) well maybe he just learned how to use it better than when he went back the second time I, i don't know i don't remember that that was the reason uh but i think you have to have
2: that they put it together and then it's up to you guys to go get it done
0: Well, the Chiefs have finally gotten it done. The players literally win it. That was the point that Jason Cole was making earlier. The organization doesn't
2: literally win it. That Shanahan's
0: Shanahan's play calling would be looked at and examined because of what happened two years ago with the Falcons. Mm -hmm. But when you really get down to it, the players, specifically Garoppolo, didn't execute well enough. Garoppolo missed open receivers. He checked down when he had guys open further downfield on some key plays. And. That's why they lost the game. They had the ball in the fourth quarter with the lead, and if they go down and get a touchdown, it doesn't matter what Mahomes does. And but if they, they didn't get score. a stop, then right. it doesn't matter what the offense does. But they didn't get a score, and they didn't get a stop, and then they didn't get a stop, hmm. and then all of a sudden it's all slipped away. Yeah. So it's on the players.
2: So Andy Reid, all of a sudden here, is he a phenomenal coach? He's already been a phenomenal coach. I'm happy as heck for him. I don't know the guy. I'm never probably going to know him, and I don't care to know him. It doesn't matter to me whether I know him or not. Whether
0: well, he uh, comes back to Utah and hangs out with you for a couple weeks and so you going, get to know him. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right. you know, I,
2: I'm not interested in being friends with these people. It just they're, they're coaches and players, and I've got my own circle of friends. We don't interact. But if they people who know him are happy for him, Great. That's awesome. I don't think he needed to have that happen to prove his greatness, but now he's got it, and that's the ultimate goal. That's what you're striving for, and he's got it. Good on him. I'm happy for the guy and everybody else involved, and it's awesome. You know, there's a former Ute on that coaching staff, Alex Whittingham. You heard it here first. Kalani retires. Next BYU football coach, Alex Whittingham. Really? Yeah, you heard it here first. I'm just throwing stuff out there because you figure Kalani's
0: <laughs> not going anywhere, and it just sounds good.
2: Get him. He's only like uh, I think twenty. I think he turns twenty eight next month. So get him some experience. So in his mid forties, when Kalani would be what's uh, in his mid sixties at that point, he'll be done. Alex, will have all this. We won't
0: get Andy, but we'll get the next best thing. There it is. A Whittingham with a Reed influence. Yes. What could go wrong? Right. (laughs) I
2: assume the kid's going to stay in coaching for his adult working life. And then, so check back in 15 to 20 years.
0: (laughs) You threw Austin Ainge out there and never had to pay for that years ago. Uh,
2: Things happened that uh, made that not possible. So that would have been...
0: Do you think there's a seriously, in all seriousness, don't you think there's a, a thing when people go into the pro game, there's specific stuff about it and the college game and people who are in the pro game just stay in the pro game, whether it's Andy Reid or it's Austin Ainge or maybe it's well, Whittingham down the uh, down the line, that there's enough of a difference? Or you think they jump back and forth and we have seen coaches do that? I mean, well, Quinn Snyder is, is successful enough. bounce back and, and forth. And they do, right. Quinn Snyder's successful enough, and Duke's going to need somebody at some point. But he's a pro guy. He's not going to be the whenever Coach K in a year or five or ten or whatever, it's not going to be Quinn because he's a pro guy. If
2: you get that opportunity to be a pro guy, if you want right. that opportunity to be a pro guy. But once you're
0: in that lane, the way Alex Whittingham is.
2: Um, depends on what you are. He's not been in the lane long enough
0: to, for me to yeah. make any I'd agree uh, to that. Uh, yeah. distinction. He's this, he's that. Right. You know? And we have seen coaches go back and forth. Pete Carroll, obviously, at a really high level. Locally, Gary Croton did. Obviously, he was with the Bears when he got hired. So... So there's tons of examples out there, I suppose. Yeah, but it, uh, still it still seems some
2: guys are better at various levels, whatever it might be. And Patino obviously had his greatest success as a college coach. Uh, Majerus, I don't think his stuff would have ever worked at the no, pro wouldn't level. wouldn't have flown. And he belonged at the college level. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, where does he really belong? Because he's had both, and which one
0: suits him better? I don't know. He was really good at Stanford and really good with the Niners. And Michigan, I thought it would go better. And it hasn't gone badly, but it He's hasn't He's good, gone well but enough. Michigan's expectation. Right. Yeah, he will win the Big Ten. And then we can argue about the playoffs and the national title, but they definitely expect to beat Ohio State and win the Big I Ten. I think
2: what's most important there is to be comfortable in your own skin and whatever you think that is. Like Jay Wright at Villanova, it's, he just screams to me he could coach. He's run a great program for a number of years. Could he coach at the NBA level? I think he could. But he's comfortable in his own skin being in Philly, being in a program that is D1, you know, not in football, it's a basketball mm-hmm. school, same with those programs in Philly. So you found what works for you and stay there. So whatever you're comfortable doing, do it.
0: All right, DJ and PK brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com.
1: And it's all over,
3: almost here. Don't go nowhere. This this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want.
2: This 8-year-old Swedish girl in a lake in Sweden stepped on something in this lake. She pulled it up, and it was a 1,000-year-old Viking sword. If you found something that was a 1,000 years old and priceless, like, do you call authorities or... do you get to keep this? I mean, is this yours now? No, no, this was taken from her. The only thing she's going to get is recognition that she found it. If I ever find a dinosaur bone that's rare, I'm just going to keep it. The last thing I want is somebody marching into my front room declaring prima nocta on that
0: thing and taking it prima nocta. yeah it's an old saying when you could come in and take anything you wanted oh
3: yeah that's nice well done by you you keep using that word i don't think it means what you think it means catch hans and scotty every day from noon to three <laughs> presented by your rocky mountain chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports Network.
0: Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only three fifty nine dollars per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. What's going on with the Jazz? Why have they lost four in a row? Everyone was so excited. PK, we've thrown it out to the people. And Brendan says, garbage perimeter defense spotty inconsistent scoring, and people expect too much out of this squad. Media attention went to people's heads. That's four things right there. Quite the list from Brendan. Uh, Number one, uh, I'll sign off most quickly on garbage perimeter defense. That's the one I believe the most. Number two, people expect too much out of this squad. Well, that's a little little hard to define because I think there are people who definitely do expect too much out of this squad. Uh, Others don't. I think the most you can hope for right now, I just don't see the Jazz as one of the top two teams in the West. So they were in second place, and if you thought they were going to continue that and be in a Western Conference final, that still seemed like a reach. It didn't seem impossible. It didn't seem ridiculous. But it wasn't what I would predict. It wasn't what I'd buy into or sign off on. Uh, Media attention went to people's heads. Maybe, but they get a lot of media attention, so i got to put that further down the list. And then when I don't buy it all spotty, inconsistent scoring, I think they've scored the ball pretty well. Even when you're scoring well, you have have streaks where you're hotter and colder and all that. I, I really haven't spent a lot of time worrying about the offense during this run. So there it is. That's how I rank them. Any of them you agree, disagree with? Anything jump out at you there?
2: Yeah, they do get constant media attention. That's just who you are. I mean, you live a different lifestyle and different uh, attention is all around you at all times. So I don't know that it went to their heads because none of these guys, as far as being big-time playoff winners, has proven anything. So I don't think that all of a sudden, oh, no, like, geez, we're all that. And that I, don't, I don't really see that. We here locally get all excited when they win and all that stuff. But I don't know how much they even pay attention to
0: what we say or write or do any of that stuff locally. You know, so. they used to but that's changed over time big time It's uh, they're on social media well, have they have access
2: to the national stuff
0: yeah they get access to all of that so I don't think that yeah. watching local TV reading local papers listening to local radio it's not that it doesn't happen it probably does but to a much less degree well, and they used to walk in the locker room and they knew what had been written and what was on TV and I what had been said I think they expect
2: us to be cheerleaders yeah because uh, we all want them to win and so I think they just blow us off Uh, The scoring, I I think, with Steve Cleveland was very accurate when he said that Joe Ingles has not been producing to the level that he did when they were winning a bunch of games. So that's a concern. What's it going to be? And is it? Does he need to have those other types, those same guys out there?
0: So you think his points matter more than if those points go to another guy because of how it affects the flow of the game? the confidence level that kind of stuff I think when he's
2: active he's doing a lot of different things Mm -hmm. and so it's not just points he's setting guys up and they just moving the ball and everybody being involved and it's flowing that's when they're at their most dangerous and
0: see that's what I thought they had in Portland to start the game and I wondered if they were kind of climbing out of it because they had a good first half I thought in Denver, and then it just got away from the second half. But you don't often get out of, it, out of that slump all at once. You kind of grind your way out of it slowly over time. Something. well, let's see if they do better in Portland, especially knowing Portland was going back-to-back. And they're up, and they're up double digits late in the first quarter. And then they give up a tw- – I think it was 13. And they give up a 12-0 run. You're like, whoops. Didn't Correct. sustain that. Right. But it was. I thought when they came out, the ball was moving. Guys were – you know, Conley was attacking the rim. It was great. It was a good start. Yeah.
2: Uh, so, uh, does Joe really need to be involved? Well, can he can he play a a secondary role in order to have them rent, win? He's a role player, but he's got to be. But how a, big should a his good role be? Role player, right? Yeah. Not a secondary role role player, so to speak. Uh, the defa- the defense if it was good before and it slipped, I hope that's the case because in my mind you get it back. You get for whatever reason, guys get hot, and and Gordon got hot, and obviously Lillard has been on a phenomenal streak, and hats off to him. Uh, But you know, I don't expect Lillard to play at this level for six, seven, eight games in a row. So you know, the odds should take care of itself. Doesn't mean you just go, well, he's not going to be shooting as well, so we can just bank on that. No, you have to have that tenacity all the time. But. Uh, before I think that this is anything close to a panic situation, I want to look at these next five games before between now and the break and see where they're at over the next five And if they struggle,
0: then we can spend the whole break yeah. freaking out. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I think there's some accuracy to that. And maybe they settled back in. And maybe it was just a cream puff schedule. You know, we talked about the Utes all season long, and then we found out sort of the true identity at the end here we're, there's no doubt we'll find out about the true identity because this is pro sports. <laughs> it works and, different and, than college football. Yeah, yeah.
0: College football is the worst to go and get those answers at the end of a season. Right. But in pro sports, you got the playoffs, it'll all sort itself out. Yes. Jiggly Jazzy Jay gets the last word. He tweets at us, the Jazz have won 32 of them. Well, based on the current pace, the law of averages says they'll probably win about 22 more. That'd be a 54-win season. That was about what was predicted, correct? Yeah, I don't really think I saw anybody higher than 55. Most people I saw had them between 50 and 55 wins.
2: I agree with that on the premise, but I'm not just going to sit back and say, well, it's going to happen because it's going to happen. If it's going to happen, they're going to have to go out and earn it.
0: They have to go out and make it happen. Absolutely. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Tony and Austin are up next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.